Smoking hot Judge Amy Coney Barrett faced the Senate Judiciary Committee yesterday as her mostly peaceful confirmation hearings began, leaving two dead and seven injured. Republicans argued that Barrett is a brilliant legal scholar, an unusually decent human being, as well as being cute as a button. Whereas Democrats said Barrett is a hellhound of toxic evil who will destroy Obamacare so that little Timmy will die a slow and agonizing death. And in fact, here's a picture of little Timmy dying the slow and agonizing death that he will die if Barrett is confirmed. (laughs) Plus, she has too many children and believes in some invisible father figure in the sky who won't let you have an abortion so that babies will be popping out of people left and right, causing climate change that will destroy the world. And Amy Coney Barrett will laugh and laugh her evil laugh as cities burn from the death-dealing sunlight while black people are put back in chains like McDonald's and Sonic. Although possibly those aren't the sort of chains they meant, even though the food in those places will kill you. As the tense hearings continued, Senator Lindsey Graham tried to reach across the aisle, but was restrained by security guards and carried out of the room, screaming, Merrick Garland can suck an egg, so there. While Cory Booker responded that he was Spartacus, but if some photographs should show up online of him wearing a short leather gladiator skirt, it was only because his Twitter account was hacked. Kamala Harris appeared as a gigantic head on a video screen and promised that under her administration, the 17 justices of the Supreme Court would protect Obamacare so that poor Joe Biden could get the help he so obviously needed. Then a curtain was pulled away to reveal the Harris head was actually being dubbed by Hillary Clinton, who immediately got into a hot air balloon and escaped back to Kansas. The hearings will continue today with the constitutionally mandated food fight. Trigger warning. I'm Andrew Claven, and this is the Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky dunky. Life is tickety boo. Birds are winging, also singing. Hunky dunky doo. Ship shaped, tipsy topsy. The world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day. Hurrah, hooray. It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. So I don't know how that Lindsay scream got in there, but it reminds me to tell you that tomorrow is the mailbag, which I would have forgotten to mention. There it is. There's the that that's where it's supposed to go. That's where the scream goes. But that tomorrow is the mailbag. So subscribe to dailywire.com because you've got to be a subscriber to get your question in the mailbag. And then you go to the podcast page, the Andrew Claven podcast, hit the mailbag. And you can ask me anything you want. You can ask about your personal life. You can ask about politics. You can ask about religion. All my answers are guaranteed 100% correct and will change your life. Will they change your life for the better? <laughs> what do you think? That's ridiculous. Uh, but, but if you'd like to send a video question, we love getting video questions. Keep them under a minute uh, because we don't have time to edit them, but we love seeing you and uh, just send those in the same way. Also, subscribe to the Andrew Claven YouTube channel. You want to go to the Andrew Claven YouTube channel to get all my content. You press the bell. We'll alert you to the content. We will actually come to your home and alert you when there's content. Well, oh, you'll push the door. Here's some content. Take the content. Also, leave, leave a comment. And if the comment is sufficiently idiotic, we will read it on the air uh, as it will just fit in perfectly. Here we have one today from Alexander Carter. Uh, he says, I did not survive the Clavenless weekend. This has le- led to a lot of inconveniences, but at least I can still vote. That's true. But you got to vote Democrat. Uh, One of the many uh, ill effects of our corrupt communications industry is a humor deficit. Uh, Politics is funny. Politicians lie and misbehave. Petty issues are described with overblown rhetoric and people get ridiculously passionate over nothing. People in their certainties and enthusiasms 
act in a silly way. And politics gives those aspects of human nature full play. That's why comic writers from Aristophanes to Juvenal to Swift to Al Cap have focused on the political scene. I do it too, of course, but I don't want to compare myself to those other writers. It would just make them look bad. But if comedians only laugh at one side and take the other side seriously, after a while, there's nothing to laugh about. The whole point of politics is it makes all of us look stupid. And if you're only laughing at one side, you've actually just become part of the process. Plus, if everyone in the mainstream media is taking the left seriously and mocking the right, everyone on the right, like me, has no choice but to fight back and we can't laugh at ourselves anymore, which is toxic. The other day, Donald Trump made the observation that the American people are much smarter than the people who cover them, the press. And that is absolutely true. It's also true that the American people are much more decent than the people who govern them. Ordinary Democrats and Republicans ought to be able to share a laugh at the idiocy and corruption of the people in power. But how can we when one side has monopolized not just comedy, but the mainstream political discourse altogether? There's one more truth about the American people. They're funnier than their comedians. This is true. I noticed this as a kid when I was traveling around the country. I noticed I notice it now on Twitter, where ordinary folks say things that are far more hilarious than anything a Trump derangement syndrome sufferer like Stephen Colbert can produce. So this is just one more place where courage is required of ordinary folks in the present cultural cr crisis. We all need to make fun of elites, all of them. They deserve it, and the professionals just aren't getting the job done. So as you know, I never sleep. I lie awake all night asking myself the big question so you don't have to. One of the big questions I ask myself is, is anybody outside my house trying to get in? And that's why I love my Ring security products. Ring has doorbells with cameras on them so you can see any corner of your house, who is there, anywhere you put one of these. You can see them on your phone. If somebody is there, you can talk to them on your phone. And that's whether you're lying awake at night or 2,000 miles away, anywhere you are. You can see who's coming to your house and keep your house secure. Ring has security products for every corner of your house, inside and out. And best of all, you can see it all in one simple app. Whenever, whatever you call home, Ring has everything you need to protect it. You can see and speak to whoever is at your door from anywhere with video doorbells. You can keep an eye on every corner of your house with easy to install indoor and outdoor cams. You can protect your whole home with Ring Alarm, a powerful, affordable, whole home security system you can easily install yourself. Get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit at ring.com slash Clavin. It comes with Ring's Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro, the perfect way to start your Ring experience. Plus, free two-day shipping. Go to ring.com slash Clavin. That's ring.com slash Clavin. Anyone comes to your house, you say to him, how do you spell Clavin? If he knows, call the police. You know, I got a letter the other day. This is absolutely true. I got a letter saying uh, that somebody had been listening to me for a long time and always loved my show, but now I was drifting to the left. And I thought, gee, you know, let me, let me do some self-examination here. And I thought, no, I can't think of a single place where my Opinions have drifted to the left. The only major political opinion of mine has changed is that I'm starting to agree with Donald Trump that we should be a lot more careful about getting our troops into war. It's almost impossible to get them out. Uh, and the army, the military kind of likes it. They don't want to stay. They don't want to leave Afghanistan, which is an obvious boondoggle, an obvious mire. There's always a reason to stay. And so that's the only way my opinions have changed. I haven't drifted to the left at all. But his proof his proof in this letter was that I made fun of Donald Trump. Now, I've always made fun of Donald Trump. And in fact, the, the fact is, 
I feel like I don't make fun of Donald Trump enough. And the reason I don't make fun of Donald Trump more is because everybody else is attacking him. So I feel there ought to be some place you can go to hear the left attack because what they are saying is absolutely absurd. It's absolutely true that the left is the evil party and the right is the stupid party. And that's good fodder for comedy. But when everybody's making fun of the right, why should I do it? It's, that's a job that's already been filled. And I just think it's wrong. You know, I think it's I think so much of the anger. I mean, I know a lot of the violence on the street is being funded by George Soros type people. But a lot of the anger that we have between us is not just because the press uh, gets in our way and makes sure that everything is a big issue when we could really hear both sides and think, oh, the other side does have a point. I see what they're saying. I see what we're saying. Maybe there's a compromise place. Maybe we have common ground. They never report the news that way. They just bring on people to scream at each other. And that makes us scream at each other. But it's also because we can't laugh. You know, I've told this story before, but it's worth telling again because it's a funny story and it actually speaks to the moment. Back in 2014, some scientists landed a uh, probe on a comet. It was an amazing scientific feat. And one of the scientists, a guy named Matt Taylor, came out to celebrate and he was wearing this shirt with kind of half naked women as space girls shooting ray guns at each other. And the feminists got so, so angry at him and hammered him so hard that he, he was in tears as he apologized for wearing this stupid shirt. The guy's a geek. He probably hadn't had a date in 50 years. You know, he was like wearing this dumb shirt. So, so I decided it would be funny if I did one of my satire videos just wearing the shirt, just didn't mention it, just wore the shirt. So I had an assistant. His name was Michael Knowles. He's since devolved into, you know, the drink has killed him. And it's just been a terrible, sad story. But then he was my assistant. And I said, go and find this shirt. And because Knowles is a brilliant guy, he went out and found the last shirt that uh, that they had. And I put it on to get ready for the video. I'm looking down the shirt. And I thought, my God, this is the most sexist, stupid shirt I've ever seen. What kind of idiot would wear this shirt in public? I mean, it was it was an incredibly offensive, sexist shirt. And, and I don't like to, I would never behave that way. It would be offensive to my wife, who I not only respect, but hold in a kind of elevated position in my life. And I treat her in an, I try to treat her in an elevated way. But I went on and wore the shirt because I think we should be able to make stupid jokes about each other. And if we can't make stupid jokes about each other, you know, we, we will be angry at each other. Those are the only two choices. If we can't tease each other, we will be angry at each other. That's why I even oppose Facebook just decided that they're going to take down, they're going to ban Holocaust denial. I mean, Holocaust denial is anti-Semitism in a mask. That's all it is. The Holocaust is the most well-documented atrocity in human history. All this stuff about it is just hatred of Jews. That's all it is. People should be allowed to put that out there. It's an idea. It's a bad idea. You can't fight a bad idea if it's hidden. You want it out in the open where you can fight back. So this brings me to the hearings of, um, of Amy Coney Barrett. And there's something funny about these hearings I've, I've been watching. Here's this obviously brilliant, obviously decent woman who's going to be on the Supreme Court. And she's conservative. She's going to make some decisions that the left doesn't like, but she's a constitutionalist, so she's going to make some decisions that the right don't like, because, you know, nobody likes the Constitution. We want it to go our way, and sometimes it doesn't, right? And she's out there being in front of a gazillion people, and she's being questioned, and every little move she makes is being looked at for clues about, you know, what's wrong with her, what's right about her, how much we love her, how much we hate her. Who among us, who among us, could stand that. I mean, you probably, you know, if you have a spouse, if you live with somebody, don't they have to kind of overlook 
you know, stupid things that come out of your mouth sometimes? Don't they have to kind of overlook things that you did that you didn't mean? I mean, if you are under a microscope like that, what does it tell you about whether this person is going to be a great Supreme Court justice? It tells you literally nothing. And yet we all do it. We, every single one of us. And then we think like, oh, she did this and the way she looked and this, you know, that she said that. And it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And they, and they question her about the size of her family and her religious faith. And she had this quote. She said, look, I've made distinct choices. I've decided to pursue a career and have a large family. I have a multiracial family. Our faith is important to us. All of those things are true, but they are choices which is the most conservative thing you can say. I say things about what I think women should do when they have to. I think women should stay home and take care of their children. I think children need women. I don't think women are responsible to my opinion of them. I do not think that they should do what I say they should do. I think they should do what they think is right to do. I'm just giving my opinion of what I think is right. And, you know, that's, that's the way it works. That's how you live in a free country. You tolerate people who disagree with you. And I, I will say, I will say that I am looking forward. I really am looking forward to when we can. She is appointed, and we can just call her smoking, hot, smoking hot Supreme Court Justice. Because I just think that phrase should become a popular phrase: smoking hot Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett. Then we have to get uh, Christy Nome from South Dakota elected president, and we will have the hottest government in the world. That's like America. <laughs> you know, we can go to Germany, go Angela Merkel. Yeah, we had the hottest government in the world. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I just a little tangent I went off. On. Uh, so they're bringing her out and they're big. One of their big attacks is they're going to that she's going to kill Obamacare. This is really funny. It's really worth paying attention to. They bring out pictures of people who will die without, you know, tell these sad stories and all this, which would be true, of course, under any healthcare system that somebody is going to die and have a sad story to tell. But that's, that's their thing. And here's Kamala Harris making her pitch on this. She says, that's when the United States Supreme Court is set to hear. November 10th is when the United States Supreme Court is set to hear a case to strike down the Affordable Care Act. Senate Republicans are fast tracking this nominee today to ensure that happens. And here's how ABC plays that. All right. So it's November 10th is the hearing. And the ABC plays it this way uh, on their uh, lead news news program. Cut to. Also tonight, the Supreme Court confirmation hearing for President Trump's nominee, Judge Amy Coney Barrett. Democrats warn health care coverage for millions of Americans, including those with pre-existing conditions, is on the line with this nomination, with a major case before the court just days after the election. So I look it up. <laughs> I, mean, I, did, I look it up so you don't have to, right? I look it up. The conservative Fifth Court of Appeals in, uh, yeah, Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans found that the mandate to carry health insurance was unconstitutional after Congress reduced the tax penalty to zero. So right-leaning states are arguing that that means the entire law is to be thrown out, including its expansion of Medicaid coverage. A lower court agreed with this, right? A lower court agreed that the whole law should be thrown out if they're not collecting taxes. a very complicated thing. It doesn't matter. But if Amy Coney Barrett is not appointed, John Roberts, who has sided with the liberals on Obamacare every time, would probably vote with them on this. It would be a tied court at 4-4, which means it would be go back to the lower court and the lower court decision would stand. I mean, the lower court decision could be appealed, but it would stand. So not appointing her to the Supreme Court would potentially end Obamacare. But appointing her makes it more likely that this case will be vacated. So the entire thing, the entire thing is a scam. And that's what they're appointing. And that's what Kamala Harris is doing. Then they're going after her on specific cases. Now, this is this is really interesting. They they come out and they ask her uh, if Antonin Scalia, you know, she says she basically follows Antonin Scalia. And they ask her, well, Antonin Scalia said the 
Casey case, which confirmed Roe v. Wade, uh, was wrongly decided. Do you think it's wrongly decided? And she said, well, I'm, not, I'm going to invoke Justice Kagan's description, which I think is perfectly put. She said she was not going to grade precedent or give a thumbs up or down. Basically, she's paying attention to what is called the Ginsburg rule. Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, I'm not going to decide cases on a hypothetical basis. I'm not going to sit here and be questioned about how I would decide each case. That's what they're asking her. But in the old days, they agreed with the Ginsburg rule. Here is Joe Biden back in the day. And this is part of an ad, so they put music behind it. But it's Joe Biden talking about the Ginsburg rule, which is that you you should not, as a Supreme Court nominee, you should not answer case, uh, specific questions on specific cases and give you what your judgment would be. It's cut 30. You not only have a right to choose what you will answer and not answer, but in my view, you should not answer a question of what your view will be. Chuck Schumer said the same thing. It's cut 29. There is a, a grand tradition that I support that you can't ask a judge who's nominated for a or a potential judge who's nominated for a judgeship about a specific case. So <laughs> this is the thing. None of this is about, you know, we talked I've talked before about the hypocrisy of Lindsey Graham saying that you shouldn't uh, give Merrick Garland a hearing because it was an election year and saying you can hold these words up against me now and now they're holding up against him and he just <laughs> changed his tune. It is true that originally, originally the argument that Mitch McConnell made for not bringing up the Merrick Garland confirmation was that the president was of one party and the Senate majority was of another. So that's not the case now. So that actually isn't precedent. But then a little bit of hypocrisy going on. None of this is what any of this is about. That's why it's comical. This is why it's comical on both sides. It's comical on both sides because everybody lies, everybody poses, everybody's a hypocrite. But the basic underlying argument is entirely different. Ted Cruz actually talks about this. This is cut 22. Democrats and Republicans have fundamentally different visions of the court, of what the Supreme Court is supposed to do, what its function is. Democratic senators view the court as a super legislature, as a policymaking body, as a body that will decree outcomes to the American people. Now, that vision of the court is something found nowhere in the Constitution. Uh, and it's a curious way to want to run a country. That's <laughs> a great line, a curious way to want to run a country. And this is what Amy Coney Barrett said in her opening statements. This is cut 10. Courts are not designed to solve every problem or right every wrong in our public life. The policy decisions and value judgments of government must be made by the political branches, elected by and accountable to the people. The public should not expect courts to do so, and courts should not try. And this is what she said, how she said she would behave if she became a uh, smoking hot Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett's cut the 11. There's a tendency in our profession to treat the practice of law as all-consuming while losing sight of everything else. But that makes for a shallow and unfulfilling life. I worked hard as a lawyer and as a professor I owed that to my clients, to my students, and to myself. But I never let the law define my identity or crowd out the rest of my life. A similar principle applies to the role of courts. Courts have a vital responsibility to the rule of law, which is critical to a free society. 
this is the thing that they're arguing about. This is what the argument about is whether or not the courts are going to obey the rule of law or, or are they going to legislate that what Cruz said is absolutely right. And this is why the question of court packing is so important. You know, Biden yesterday sort of muttered that he was no fan of court packing. And obviously the, he's in this bind because he doesn't want to alienate the far left, which already doesn't trust him and hates him, but is basically hoping he's not going to be the real president of the United States. And they have every good reason to hope that because of the way he's behaving. But basically, the fact that he won't come out and talk about this is absurd. We kind of know that Kamala Harris will pull this kind of uh, court packing thing. And we know that I, don't, I think we know that Biden is not really going to be the president of the United States. So I have this weird thing where when I don't drink enough water and I don't get thirsty, what I do is I get exhausted. I just suddenly am exhausted. And since I never get any sleep, I think I must need sleep. Not true. If I can just hydrate, I wake right up. Being hydrated is good. And flu season is right around the corner. And with the winter months approaching, obviously, it's all flu season these days. It's more important than ever to have a strong immune system. When you're pushing your body hard or feeling run down, it's really important to take care of yourself with the proper vitamins and nutrients. That's why Liquid IV created hydration multiplier plus immune support to maintain and strengthen your immune system while it keeps you hydrated. Hydration multiplier plus immune support is a cutting edge blend of vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, and Wellmune in convenient single serving packets. It actually tastes really good too. Liquid IV's new Hydration Multiplier Plus Immune Support is available at Walmart or order online and get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code CLAVEN at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code CLAVEN at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code CLAVEN. You'll feel so great, you'll just wake up and think, how do you spell Clavin? It's K L A. I was going to say that. Also, there are no. <laughs> going to say that too. It's amazing. They read my mind. You know, this is something really worth talking about. If you saw Biden yesterday, and this is really in the course of one day, and there's maybe one one of the things that I'll play was uh, of a different day, but it's very close on. I'm not a doctor. I'm not saying Joe Biden has dementia or Alzheimer's or anything like this, but it is very, very clear that his cognitive functions are deteriorating in front of us. And it's amazing to me. And, I, you know, <laughs> to talk about things that are funny, it is funny when people make these mistakes. We all get old. I don't remember things as well as I used to. You've seen me, you know, lose a name, lose a word. It so happens to everybody. It'll happen to you if you live long enough. It's the way things go. And it's, it is comical, but I'm not making fun of the guy. I think the guy is being abused. I think Biden, they have used his ambition. And I think this really speaks ill of Jill Biden, who should know better, that they've put him up to do this thing. It's as if they want to give him this one gift. Well, that's actually not the truth, but it's as if they want to give him this one gift before he's non-functional of at least he got elected president. Let me, let me just play a couple of clips. And the only thing about these is they all come from within 48 hours, most of them from yesterday. He's talking about running against Mitt Romney. OK, this is cut number eight. This is this is what he says. You may remember I got in trouble when we were running against the senator who was a Mormon, the governor. OK, the senator who was a Mormon, that governor guy, the Mormon governor guy. <laughs> remember his names. Now, 
Listen, this sometimes happens to me with obscure movie stars, but uh, that Mitt Romney, really, the guy they ran against, uh, that his administration, the, the Obama-Biden administration ran against, he cannot remember Mitt Romney's name. Again, again, I'm not... I'm not I'm not trying to diagnose him. I'm just saying this is a guy who has to be in serious negotiations with the leaders of foreign countries who hate us. And even more importantly, with the leaders of foreign countries who like us, but would like to get in on us, would like to beat us in negotiations because that's the way the world works. You know, they keep making excuses for him. They say, well, he has a stutter and he's fighting the stutter. I heard a guy say, well, as you get older, the energy that it takes to fight your stutter, you know, takes away your energy from other things. I, I don't know. Here he announced he was running for office. I think this is yesterday. This is cut seven. We have to come together. That's why I'm running. I'm running as a proud Democrat for the Senate. I, this is the second time he's done that. He's running for the Senate. And after all, he's been in government 47 years. So maybe he gets confused a little bit about what he's running for. But this is bad. It's bad. You shouldn't be doing this to a guy. And if you look at his face, you know, if you look at his face, he's really struggling. I mean, you know, when you look at him losing his temper, when he gets angry at people, those are all signs of lessened function, that your temper starts to get short. And, you know, cranky old men, they talk about cranky old men. Now, I've been a cranky old man all my life, so it doesn't count. But still, you know, when you're when the way he yells at voters and all this stuff. And if you look at his face, if you look at his face in repose, I mean, it. There's something just dazed and confused about him. When he finished his speech, I think he was talking uh, to auto workers. He finished his speech. He tells them to go on a website that doesn't exist. This is cut one. So vote, vote. Visit iwill.com slash Ohio. God bless you. God bless the auto workers. God protect. Thank you. Which way am I going? <laughs> Which way am I going? The website he tells him to go to doesn't exist. Which way am I going? Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. And, you know, it, it really, I, 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 you could play these all day if you collected them, but this is just from recently, and most of them are from yesterday. Most of them are from yesterday. So he's having a bad day. Obviously, they can prop him up long enough to get through a debate. However, however, it is an open question whether Trump really saved his bacon uh, in that debate. You know, it really is an open question whether Trump, by being over aggressive, by not letting him speak, uh, saved his bacon. Because if you let him speak for two minutes, he does this. He was asked, you know, I, I read on the air this, this poll that 56 percent of people uh, are feel that their life is better, that they are doing better than they were four years ago. So they asked him about, about it, that. This is cut four. Gallup reported last week 56% of Americans said that they were better off today than they were four years ago, would have been under the Obama-Biden administration. So why should people who feel that they are better off today under the Trump administration vote for you? Well, if they think that, they probably shouldn't. (laughs) of the people, Joe. (laughs) Sorry. It's awful to laugh at the guy. I mean, the guy is actually suffering, but it's 56% of the people that, you know, Trump should put that out as a campaign ad, right? I mean, it's like Joe Biden who says, vote for me. It's Joe Biden. Oh, Lord. So meanwhile, meanwhile, Donald Trump gets the dread Rona, you know, he gets the COVID, the Chinese flu, the Wu flu. 
the yellow fever. He gets all those things at once. And this 74-year-old fat man is out on the campaign trail. One of his aides said that they're afraid he's going to kill himself because the polls are bad. So he's out there hitting those states. And this is one of the things, you know, this is one of the things he did at the end of his last campaign. He was making like five and six campaign stops a day. I don't know if he's going to do that. But he's still out there and he look. I mean, the New York Times just lied. It looks, he looks, he's horse. He's right. You know, he just got over this disease that's supposed to kill you, the disease that they've been telling you, be afraid, be afraid. This should dominate every aspect of your life. Here he is on the trail. Listen to him. It's cut five. I went through it. Now they say I'm immune. I can feel I feel so powerful. I'll walk into that audience. <laughs> I'll walk in there. I'll kiss everyone in that audience. I'll kiss the guys and the beautiful women and them. Everybody, I'll just give you a big fat kiss. <laughs> like, oh, it's just, you know, you know, we have this thing we play. They've, it's almost disappeared from online. This thing with uh, uh, where Trump was on Saturday Night Live and he was licensing a lot of things. So to make fun of him, they had Donald Trump's House of Wings. Here's just a quick cut of it. Join me at Donald Trump's House of Wings. You know our wings will make you happy. You know our wings will fill you up. And the Saturday Night Liveers are all dressed up as chickens. And the thing about it is, if you watch this thing carefully, and it's hard to find online, I think they've taken it down a lot of places. If you watch it carefully, Trump is keeping a dead straight face. And he's clearly cracking up. He is a very, very good troll. He is a very, very good straight-faced comedian. One of the reasons he is so lovable in spite of his flaws is that he still has a sense of humor. He has a sense of humor about himself. And he knows he's speaking into, he knows he's speaking into a humorless left that is so filled with rage that they just can't get the joke because they don't think anybody should be making jokes about them. Bill Burr was on Saturday Night Live the other day and made, I thought, some very politically correct jokes, but at least went off against like gay pride month. He said that's a lot of uh, that's a long time to celebrate people who were never slaves, which I thought was a pretty funny line. And everybody's yelling because they don't think they think they should be immune from humor. But if you're immune from humor, what you are is humorless. And if you're humorless, the other side has to be humorless about themselves. And ultimately, that's where a lot of this anger comes from. Trump is dancing around to that YMCA song. (laughs) Play it. It's hilarious. Some people are saying that this is what has hurt him. You know, the polls show that he's losing older voters and older voters are scared and older voters haven't seen their grandparents in in months and older voters have really been hit hard. And so when he comes out and says, don't let this dominate your life, it's too late. And they're thinking, oh, gee, you know, like that's that's it is dominating our lives. However, you know, it's it is the thing is he is fine. And apparently his doctor said that he's tested uh you know, twice in a row, he has tested negative for this and he's got antibodies. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to on the black market, trying to buy his blood so I can <laughs> inject his blood because then I'll live forever. Uh, you know, I, the guy is just unstoppable. And so you have this one man who really cannot put together an English sentence anymore. And this other guy who is just a monster of energy and health. It's It's wild. You know, did I mention this? Did I mention this letter? You know, we do the mailbag on Wednesday, so don't forget to be in the mailbag. But when when I don't get to read a letter 
we kept we save it over for a week and if i can go back to it i'll go back to it and one of the things we saved over for a week i think i did mention this but i, I saved it over just said you know that I had predicted in the last election that there was still one big twist left ahead. As a novelist, I said the way this feels as a plot is that there's one big twist left ahead. And then Comey pulled that thing with reopening the email case, and that was the big twist. And somebody said, you know, is one week ago, now it's two weeks ago, but one week ago, somebody said, is Ruth Bader Ginsburg dying? Is that the big twist? And I thought, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died? I don't remember that. It's so long ago. So there's still a big twist up ahead. But right now we're looking at one guy who just looks like he's full of energy and one guy who looks like he isn't even at home. All of that could change in a second and probably will. But that's where it stands right at this moment. So I just, I was at the dentist really only a couple of weeks ago, and the lady who does my teeth, cleans my teeth, is always saying how well I take care of my teeth. I, that's why I go to the dentist. I live to get her praise. Uh, I'm just, I'm, that's, I'm a sad character. But one of the ways I keep my teeth really looking good and really healthy is using an electric toothbrush. It is incredibly important. They just work better, not just in my opinion. Dentists say so, too. And Quip is an electric toothbrush you can take with you anywhere. It is beautifully styled. It is not the size of a bazooka. It fits in your dop kit, and, and, and it has a battery, so you don't have to constantly plug it in somewhere. A Quip Smart Brush, which is for adults and kids, connects to a Quip app with Bluetooth, so you can track when and how well you brush, get tips and coaching to improve your habits. For the people like me who live for praise, the praise is right there in the app. So start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today and go to getquip.com slash Clavin right now to get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash Clavin spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash Clavin. Quip, better oral health made simple and rewarding. <laughs> you know, when I read this, I'm embarrassed because I know you're thinking get quip. I can spell get quip, but, but, how do you spell Clavin? It is K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no E's. Just there make it look. No I make it look this easy. You want to get the Daily Wire bat. It flies around the room. It sucks the blood of leftists. Oh, no, it's not that kind of bat. This is an old glory Daily Wire baseball bat. We, had, we brought this out before. A limited edition handcrafted custom painted baseball bat emblazoned with the Daily Wire logo. It is chewed out of the living wood by Ben Shapiro himself, uh, just like a beaver. He just goes to work and just creates this thing. And when we first put this bat out in a numbered edition a few months ago, it sold out in 48 hours. And that was when it was available only to all access members. Now anyone can buy it, but inventory is still limited. So get yours before they're gone. Text the keyword baseball, baseball to 8340083400 to purchase your bat today. Come to dailywire.com and subscribe so you can be in the mailbag tomorrow. It's a little cramped and stuffy, but you get to ask questions and all your problems will be solved. So it's funny, you know, Donald Trump is promoting his health and how great he feels and that he's got these antibodies. So he's protected. He's Superman. Right. And it, it, one of the really interesting things was uh, Anthony Fauci's reaction to this, because it's obviously true. But Fauci, you could just see Fauci didn't want to admit it. This is cut 25. The problem with the word immune, it means different things to different individuals, Jake, if he means that he's been infected and having been infected and recovered, that he will not get infected again. That's true for a limited period of time. What we do not know 
is how long that protection lasts. So technically speaking, the fact that he has recovered from an immunological standpoint, he has an immune response in him that very likely would protect him from being reinfected. Now, Fauci, and I'm going to describe why I think this, but Fauci at this point has become tendentious, a good word, meaning that he has seen everything from a sort of anti-Trump point of view. It doesn't mean he's not a good scientist, doesn't mean he's not trying to do the right thing by the country. I'm not saying that, but it does mean that there's something that he has really had it with Donald Trump, and it's a problem. The entire flu scenario, the entire Wu flu scenario has changed. It has changed very quietly, but it has obviously changed. The World Health Organization is now saying that there should not be lockdowns, that they should not react with lockdowns. Here is uh, their doctor, Nabarro, his name is, who is their lead guy on this issue. It's cut three. We in the World Health Organization do not advocate lockdowns as a primary means of control of this virus. The only time we believe a lockdown is justified is to buy you time to reorganize, regroup, rebalance your resources, protect your health workers who are exhausted. But by and large, we'd rather not do it. This is a terrible, ghastly global uh, catastrophe, actually. And so we really do appeal to all world leaders, stop using lockdown as your primary control method, develop better systems for doing it, work together and learn from each other. But remember, lockdowns just have one consequence that you must never, ever uh, belittle, and that is making poor people an awful lot poorer. Now, what's so fascinating about this, and this happens a lot, is this was a position only held by crazy right-wingers at the beginning, right? Only crazy right-wingers were saying, don't lock down the, the economy because it's just what this guy was saying. You know, it hurts the poor. It hurts the economy. Look, death is death. We should protect. We should save the Claven. Obviously, that is the first foremost thing. I think the World Health Organization actually did put that out. I think there was they had the letters like Trump puts the letters on top of his buildings. They put save the Claven on top of the U.N., uh, but but still, you know, seriously, we should protect the vulnerable. We should protect older people, but we should have had the economy opened up. I believe it should have been opened up after the original 15 days. Some right wingers were saying it never should have been closed down. Now that is the standard thing. And nobody ever says, you know, the right wingers, the crazy right wingers were right. Nobody ever says this. It doesn't matter how many times it happens. It doesn't matter how many times a Giuliani cleans up New York. It doesn't matter how many times a Ronald Reagan saves the economy. It doesn't matter how many times a Donald Trump does foreign policy better than the experts. It doesn't matter. Nobody ever says, you know, the right was right about that. that you know, that we were wrong and we take that back. Then we'll listen to them more. You know, just, just not a happening thing. Now we've just moved directly onto masks. We're right onto masks. Crazy right wingers won't wear masks. And you can always tell the stupidest thing that the left is saying because Jim, look at me, I'm Jim Acosta, is promoting it. He went to the rally too. This is his uh, reaction as the people are shouting, CNN sucks. This is cut 28. Iowa and North Carolina are really states that should be in the bag for President Trump right now. That's an indication as to how much trouble he's in politically right now, Wolf. And as this crowd is chanting that there are members of the press here who suck, I should also point out, Wolf, what also sucks, getting the coronavirus. <laughs> getting a little testy there, Jim. Getting a little testy. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal on Saturday. This Saturday is their kind of big review cultural page. And uh, Matt Ridley, great writer on science, read a couple of his books, really a common sense guy, straightforward. He wrote about what science is, and he's quoting the, phys the great physicist Richard Feynman, uh, 1964. He says, Feynman defined the scientific method. He said, first, you guess, 
Then you compute the consequences of your guesses. Then you compare those consequences with the evidence from observations or experiments. And if your guess disagrees with the experiment, it's wrong. And that simple statement uh, is the key to science. It does not make a difference how beautiful the guess is, how smart you are, who made the guess, or what his name is. It's wrong. And Ridley adds, seeing science as a game of guess and test clarifies what has been happening these past months. Science is not about promoting with certainty on the known facts of the world. It is about exploring the unknown by testing guesses, some of which prove wrong. That's why when you hear clowns in the press say you're going against the science, there is no science. The science is a process by which we understand the material world. It is a great process if it is done as honestly as uh, as it possibly can be. Ridley goes on. He says, in general, science is much better at telling you about the past and the present than the future. You hear me say this on the show all the time. There is no science that foretells the future. That's why they call it the future. Nobody knows what it is. Okay. People make mistakes and they want to cling to their ideas. You know, it's true of journalism too. When a journalist says this may happen, when you see an article that says experts say, or journalists say, some say, it doesn't mean anything. I don't even read those stories because I know they don't know. I know it's just filling in the blank space on the page. We got to put something there. So we're going to tell people what's going to happen in the future. But all all these human values get in the way of testing your guesses. You want your guess to be right because then you're a smart guy. You're greedy because they're, if you say if you say a certain thing, if you make a certain guess, the government will give you more money. If you say that climate change is catastrophic and it's man-made, you'll get more money from the government. Your ambition, you want to be famous, you want to be the guy who found something first. You might hate the people who oppose you. Politics, you might your politics might skew these things. All these things skew science. That's why there's no such thing as the science. When the people talk about that, we only have the best we know at the moment. So this comes to Anth- it goes back to Anthony Fauci. I, I don't think Anthony Fauci is a bad guy. I think the right has beaten him up a little bit too much. But he talks about this, uh, Ridley, in this article. He says, Anthony Fauci, the chief scientific advisor in the U.S., was adamant in the spring that a lockdown was necessary, and he continues to defend that policy. His equivalent in Sweden, Anders Tegnell, by contrast, had insisted that his country would not impose a formal lockdown and would keep borders, schools, restaurants and fitness centers open while encouraging voluntary social distancing. At first, Dr. Tegnell's experiment looked foolish as Sweden's caseload increased. Now, with cases low and the Swedish economy in much better health than other countries, he looks wise. Both Fauci and Tegnell are good scientists looking at similar evidence, but they came to different conclusions. In other words, you don't have to be lying or corrupt or anything to simply reach a different idea. But the problem is in our press, if you disagree with Fauci, you disagree with the science. So Fauci is, and Fauci is anti-Trump at this point. He just is. It's just true that he is. You know, he was in this, he said this thing about an ad. Uh, Trump put him in an ad talking about, quoting him, saying that, uh, no one could have done. No one could have done more. I think it was to, to, together we rose to. I can't imagine that anybody could be doing more to fight the virus than Donald Trump. And Fauci protested because he says I've never endorsed a candidate. But that's not right because Fauci's words. You don't have to use. You can use a public figure's words in your ads. That's not against the law. You can do that. They, you don't have to ask permission. And he's complaining that they didn't get permission. But the other side has also used his words, taken out of context, more out of context. Uh, against Donald Trump in their ads, and he's never complained. That's why, that is why 
He is science. That's why he is, you know, people say, oh, he disagreed with Fauci. The New York Times actually does this. Trump will disagree with Fauci and they'll say Trump disagrees with science. <laughs> Fauci is not science. He's just a guy. He's a smart guy. He's a, a great, you know, doctor. He's a patriot. I'm not attacking the guy at all, but he's got a bias against Trump. And that's why you just have to take everything, everything with a grain of salt and with a sense of humor. The place where this is playing out for the worst is New York City. And this is there's a lot of things going on. One is that the mayor of New York City, de Blasio, is an idiot. That's that's the first thing. And the other is that Andrew Cuomo is a bad guy. Uh, Andrew Cuomo is he's a guy who does not believe in local government. He's a guy who believes that everything should be run by him. And because of that, he and de Blasio have been getting into these matches with one another where the people get hurt. The people are getting hurt by these kind of, are we going to close this again? Are we going to, is this, what's going to happen here? If de Blasio says close the school on Wednesday, Andrew Cuomo comes out and says close it on Tuesday. You know, Carol Markowitz is a writer, very good writer for the New York Post, also a mom in New York. And she says, you know, her situation is relatively blessed. She can work from home. Her husband is working from home and he helps out. She says, yet I'm drowning. We have alarms set all over the house, but we miss at least one virtual class a week. There's always a missing Zoom password or a Google Classroom that isn't working, and the remote days are mostly busy work anyway. Our sons go to the same school, but one starts 20 minutes later and the other finishes 15 minutes early. Now, you know, this sounds like small stuff, but if you're a mom with kids, it's not small stuff. This is the kind of stuff that drives you crazy. And she says she's drowning. And the problem is that Cuomo and de Blasio are threatening to close schools. They close schools when there are upsurges, even though kids are not really bothered by this virus that much. He says, she says, uh, his honor, de Blasio, asked the state to close schools, both public and private, in zip codes with slightly elevated uh, positive rates starting Wednesday. Cuomo, who takes a sadist's pleasure in putting the mayor in his place, responded by ordering schools closed Tuesday. Cuomo also introduced a very complicated color coding system uh, for neighborhood closures that mostly aligned with the mayor's zip codes. Schools in the red and orange zones would be closed for 14 days. You know, it's just the kind of things that makes a mom crazy. And, and she says, you know, she loves her job. Carol loves her job writing for the Post. But she's thinking, you know, she can't do this. She can't do a job and also take care of her kids when she has to, if she has to send them to different schools, if she doesn't know what's going on. This is incompetence. This is incompetence and it's selfishness and it's corruption. It's, it's ideological corruption. It's not the usual corruption of taking money. You know, Willie Geist had uh, Cuomo on t the Today Show and Cuomo has brought on his new book, which Ben Shapiro hilariously called If I if I, if I did it, which is a great joke. But the thing is, it's all about what a wonderful leader he was during the coronavirus crisis. That's what it, that's what the book is about. And even Geist says to him, you know, this isn't over. Can you understand why it feels icky for you to do this? You know, but he then asks him about his own record in an amazing moment of journalism, you know, just kind of escaped onto network television. Willie Geist waking up and becoming a journalist has cut 31. With 33,000 nearly people dead in the state of New York, what have you learned, as you write about in the book, about the early stages that you can apply to later? For example, was it a mistake to send those COVID-positive patients back into nursing homes? Yeah, here's the first lesson for this nation, Willie. Uh, how did you not know the virus was coming to the United States? They call it the China virus. It wasn't the China virus. It was the European virus. 
you had SARS, you had MERS, you had Ebola, you had dengue. How did you not have a medical watchdog system? Where was the CDC? Where was the Department of Homeland Security? The reason New York's numbers were so high was because the virus was coming here for months undetected. It moved from China to Europe, and then flights were coming from Europe. The president banned China travel January so Governor, 29th. did you make any mistakes in this process? You're talking about the federal government. Oh, yes. What about you? Yes. Yes, he made mistakes. He then goes on for another minute. The mistakes he made were the federal government made mistakes. That's what he says for the next minute. It is an amazing, amazing dodge of not coming around and saying, yes, I put old people into nursing homes where they killed other old people. Somewhere between six and 11,000 of the 30,000 people who died, died because Andrew Cuomo made a mistake. That he can't admit it, that he's been made a hero of the press is part of the problem we're dealing with. And it's part of the problem with dealing with any crisis when anything Donald Trump says, including don't be afraid, don't let it dominate your life, is somehow has to be shown to be wrong. What is happening in New York is an absolute travesty. It's an absolute travesty of governance. It's a travesty of uh, of an offense against the people. These guys, Cuomo and de Blasio, are supposed to serve. They don't rule them. They serve them. That's the way our government works. It comes from the Bible that we will not be like other rulers. We, We as rulers will be servants. They are public servants. They are not serving the public. They're serving their own egos. And that's why... You know, just that one thing he said, it's not a Chinese virus, it's a European virus because the people who brought it to New York came from Europe. I've said this before, but that's like saying milk doesn't come from a cow. It comes from the supermarket. It came from China. It's the Chinese virus. Everything he says is dishonest. Everything he says is insincere. And people died because of it. Now he's driving people crazy like Carol Markowitz and other mothers, I'm sure, throughout New York. It's really it really is troubling and it's really sad. We got to stop there. The mailbag is tomorrow. Subscribe and get your questions in. Video questions. You that's what you will sound like. You will sound like that's screaming for joy after I've solved all your problems. Video questions should be kept in under a minute, but we do love getting them, so please send them in. I'll be there. My name is Andrew Claven and this is the Andrew Claven show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Walsh Show, and The Michael Knowles Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Adam Saivitz and Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, is by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show... It's not just another show about about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. 